Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Abdo Riani. Abdo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Henry. Very excited to be here. Excited to have you. This is a great topic. Uh, Abdo's an entrepreneur, and he's going to share his entrepreneurial journey, and then one of his big areas where he helps his clients is on how to bootstrap a small business. And we'll explain what he means by that. But bootstrapping is about starting small with very few resources and then growing by reinvesting your profits. Generally, that's what bootstrapping means. So that's what we're going to dive into. Uh, but first, we'll start with his entrepreneurial journey. If you want to receive more information about the how of business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, you can simply text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So text biz to 31996 to get more information. So Abdo is an entrepreneur and the founder of StartupCircle.co. Startup Circle, uh, they connect successful entrepreneurs with rising founders uh, for live Q&A sessions. This is a unique approach so to help them move their ideas and businesses forward with actionable and relevant advice. And that's what we're all about here on this show is actionable and relevant advice. Abdo's focus is to bring clarity and trust to the entrepreneur's journey to first paying customer with a clear execution plan created for the specific case and need. Uh, he's had a decade long entrepreneurial journey. He has started and been involved in the launch of over 50 startups and service-based businesses. That journey with success and failures helped him connect the dots. And today, his value-added contribution to entrepreneurs lies in his ability to narrow and only execute on what will move the needle. Uh, this so far has averaged uh, results for his entrepreneurs' path to paying customers by reducing that path by, on average, five months, cutting costs by as much as 40%, generating over $10,000 from sales or pre-sales, and connecting founders with uh, industry leaders who he invites to provide that extra guidance and insight. So it's a unique approach, and he'll explain more about how this business startup circle works. Abdul lives in McAllen, Texas, which is uh, down south close to the coast in the state of Texas. And so once again, Abdul Riani, welcome to the show. Henry, once again, thank you very much for having me. Excited to have you. So what, how did you end up in McAllen, Texas? I'm curious. I got recruited by the university tennis team. So I was offered multiple uh, tennis scholarships from many universities in, in huh. the nation. And uh, I, I decided to come to McAllen. Um, the best offer, uh, pretty inexpensively to live here. And I like the weather. Yeah. So that's why you've stayed there is the weather and the proximity to the ocean and those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. I love the weather. It's in the seventies right now, mid December. Uh, and, um, you know, I just got used to the life here. I think it's, it's a very good city to live in. Yeah. That's amazing. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a, uh, small country in North Africa called Tunisia. Uh, it's on the Mediterranean sea. Uh, one of the closest countries to Europe. Um, that's where I spent most of my life. And then about 10 years ago, I came to the United States uh, to pursue my education and uh, play tennis. I completed my bachelor's degree and then I was offered an, an, um, a research assistantship uh, for the MBA, finished my MBA. I was offered another uh, research assistantship to continue with the PhD. And now I'm about one little presentation away from completing my PhD, hopefully in a couple months. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and along the way, obviously, as you've been getting this education, you've been an entrepreneur. So tell me about that. Tell me about if we could go back to the, the first businesses you launched and walk me through that journey till today. 
Absolutely. So Henry have always been blown away by how a few lines of code can make such a big impact on people's lives. What I liked about entrepreneurship is that it allows you to control your own destiny. But then when I realized that you can actually create products, solve problems and address needs without needing a lot of funding and just by leveraging technology, I thought to myself, this is what I wanted uh, to do. So I started my first venture back when I was a sophomore in college. I've always been passionate about the environment and I wanted to create something that can boost awareness for the environment and boost recycling rates. Create, create a recycler spotter. Recycler spotter is a platform that, are, that rewards you for your eco-friendly actions. What I did was I created a platform that connected uh, people to recycling facilities. You recycle 50 pounds of metal or so, you get points, you can redeem those points to get rewards from local businesses. Back then, having, uh, you know, not being able to fund the business, uh, money was a challenge. Um, money was a big challenge because I barely had money to actually fund my life as a student and as, as an athlete. Um, so I started looking for ways to raise funds. I spent about eight months connecting with potential investors um, attending conferences, attending chamber events, attending local events, presenting at local events, trying to grab some people's attention and interest in the business. And a lot of people were interested, but they were looking for traction. They were looking for results. They were looking for revenue. But the problem was, how am I going to get revenue if I don't have the product? And that's when I started thinking differently. That's when I started thinking about ways to bootstrap the business. That's when I changed my go-to-market mindset. I did things that don't scale, which means instead of creating a product, why don't I become the product and solve the problem? So I became the person who connected people to recycling facilities. I became the person who gathered people's points instead of using an application that did that automatically. I became the person who helped people get rewards. I became the person who uh, connected all three all of those three stakeholders in the application to go through the, the, the circle and, and, and at the same time solve the problem, the intended problem, and, get, uh, and bring value to the table. Uh, when I started doing that, when I started thinking that way, I was able to actually pre-sell about $20,000 hmm. that, that helped me create that first version of the application. The way I did that, I went to those recycling facilities and I went to those local businesses who would become one of my paying customers and I told them, well, I'm bringing value to you by bringing uh, people to you. I am uh, creating awareness for your brand. I am building traction for your business. Would you be interested in investing $200 a month for me to do that? And the way I'm gonna do that without an application is that I'm gonna create a landing page which didn't cost me anything I'm going to put you on top of the list. I'm going to highlight your section. I am going to be speaking about you in every single local event I go to. I'm going to be referring people to you, and I'm going to use email to tell people to come to you as uh, one of the top picks. Ten people agreed. It didn't actually take me even two weeks to get them to agree. And with that, six months later, I was close to $20,000 way before I even created the application. That was bootstrapping that was self-funding the business finding ways to generate funds um, without relying on external resources whether it's loans or uh, investors or partnerships i was able to find ways to get my customers to fund my business uh, by being the product by doing things that don't scale yeah, no, that's a great story, great example. What ended up happening with that business, I'm curious. Exactly. So that's what I was going to go next. Two years later, about $5,000 in monthly recurring revenue. I realized, Henry, that I was a lot more passionate about starting businesses than running businesses. I had to make a big decision, and I, and I decided to start Aspire IT, which is a startup development studio for bootstrapped, non-technical founders uh, where we provide them with all the needed resources to take an idea to market by doing things that don't uh, scale. That allowed me to get involved in the launch of over 50 businesses, and that allowed me to do the things that I loved the most. Okay, so this is a this is an incubator type environment, correct? That I understand. Yeah. That? Okay. A combination of of coaching, product development, 
uh, guidance, education. Uh, it, it provided the entrepreneur with all everything they needed to take an idea to market, even if they're you know self-funded or booster. What kind of barrier did you face when you started at Abdo and you had, you know, relatively speaking, little experience as a business owner? You had done this one startup, albeit successfully, mm-hmm. but um, did that create a challenge for you or was it just uh, you just did not allow that to be a challenge? Just tell me about that. I got to think there were some people that said, well, what's your track record here? For creating the first business or no, no, the, the incubator, right? I mean, usually yeah. people who do that, in my experience, have a track record of being in business or have partners who have here. You are a very young entrepreneur still when you started this. Yeah. What, what did you face any challenges from people saying, well, you know, I don't, I, your credibility isn't there. And I'm curious as to how Excellent you were question. seeing that. Excellent question, Henry. Henry, here's the thing. I remember eight months into my first startup, I was presenting at a collegiate entrepreneurship organization, CEO. And, and I talked about the initial stages of running the business. And then someone approached me after the presentation. She asked me for help. And at, the first thing I thought about, you know, who am I? to help you with your business. I've only been starting, I've only been doing this for about eight months. I really don't know much or enough. How can I help you? And all she said was, well, what I want is to go through the exact same stages that you went through over the past eight months. And it needs someone who can work with me as a friend and who can help me and meet with me in person uh, without having to, you know, spend a lot of money. And that's when I realized that, you know, People need your help, no matter how uh, big or limited your expertise is. So I worked with people. I was certain I can help people that have not done it before, people that have no single idea how to take an idea to market, people that are not funded, people that need support. And I made sure that the people I worked with fell into those categories because I knew exactly how to help them. So that is true, Henry, but I made sure that the people I worked with in the beginning, were people that I was certain I can help because I was a couple of years ahead of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you always desire or think you would be your own boss? Did you would have your own business? It's a, here's the thing, Henry. When people want to start a business, usually it's like a year-to-year year thinking process. It takes you know, a lot of thinking and a lot of you know, stages that you, don't even, you can't even categorize to get to a point where, you know what, this is what I want to do. So I had always been thinking about it for many years. I've never had a job, by the way, not, not yet. Uh, but back then when I had just started college, I had always been thinking about how uh, those people, the people that are creating you know, the most value in the world are people who control their own destinies uh, and build something from nothing. That what, what, that's what intrigued me the most. Um, and that's why eventually I said to myself, even though everybody told me to wait until I finish college, to wait until I get a job, to wait until I get some security, to wait until I have some money, uh, I, that's when I realized that it's now or never, uh, this, that was actually the best time I could ever do that because I did not have that many responsibilities. Right. So why did you go to school and why have you put in the effort, especially now working towards completing your PhD? Why? I've always respected people with education, Henry, to be very honest with you. That was, that's the only reason I've actually, uh, many of my professors and advisors right now are trying to convince me to leverage the education that I've acquired over the years to become a professor, work in the industry. I told them that I've always wanted to do business, but I've always respected people who are educated. Uh, obviously, you don't need to go to school to be educated, but for me, it could be some, you know, some way I was raised. It could be my environment. It could be of any variables. But for me, I've always wanted to be a, a doctor. I wanted to be uh, to have a PhD and be called a doctor. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. How do you? How have you seen that it does help you on the business side? Well, if there's one thing it helped me do is improve my communication skills. Uh, that is one thing that the PhD allowed me to to do. Uh, Research-wise, it's been uh, uh, it added some value, but it probably wasn't as relevant as I hoped for it to be because this is more you know research-oriented and, and a lot and very detailed. Uh, but you know, there may may not be a direct link uh, to uh, what I'm currently doing, but but obviously, you know, all the 
the books that I've read, all the people that I've spoken with, all the presentations that I've, that I've given had added some value to the things that I'm doing right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So what then leads up to Startup Circle? And maybe we'll start with giving us a high level explanation of what Startup Circle provides and then how it ended up that you started this business. Yeah. So Henry, Startup Circle is essentially, you know, a very similar idea to Aspire IT, but at a more scalable level. So Aspire IT helped entrepreneurs take an idea to market by providing personalized advice. I've always been passionate for starting businesses and I now am doing it by connecting people, uh, aspiring and rising entrepreneurs, even successful ones, by the way, with those who are a few steps ahead of them or are a lot more successful than them sometimes uh, over live Q&A sessions where they can connect with the speakers, where they can ask questions, they can ask follow-up questions and get personalized advice. Why? Because we limit every session to three people so that those who join can get personalized advice. The goal is personalization here and Startup Circle with its daily live Q&A sessions and the way we're planning on scaling is helping us accomplish that goal. Yeah, I've been to the site and it's compelling. It's different. Uh, one of the curiosity questions I had is how are you monetizing this? What's the business model for you? Many people, Henry, have asked me uh, to consider at least creating a subscription model and charge people who are joining to ask questions. I've always uh, you know, rejected that idea. The goal is really to democratize guidance. And I wanted to give every entrepreneur underrepresented, underserved the, op the, the opportunity to connect with people, with successful founders anywhere in the world. So the way we're monetizing this right now, Henry, is through partners and sponsors. Those are people that are seeking some exposure to our audience. And at the same time, they're looking to, um, to support this cause. It seems to me like it's yet again, though, another example of your approach to bootstrapping and that you're starting by building a community. Exactly. Actually, I'm going to add something to that, uh, Henry. Uh, I mentioned earlier doing things that don't scale. This is a, a very good example of what it means to do things that don't scale. Um, the way right now people join Startup Circle uh, sessions, Henry, they create an account um, there isn't actually an account. There is an email list. So they put their name and email, they receive an email, and in the email, it, it says, first thing first, we need to verify you. We don't, make, we don't let anybody join, not everybody or anybody join sessions before verifying their uh, background, their needs, their expectations, so that those who join can truly benefit from the sessions and ask questions and not join for the hell of join. Mm -hmm. So, we ask them to provide some uh, information about their uh, background needs and goals. We ask them to send us some of uh, a link or two of their most active social media accounts. Uh, once they do that, we ask them to send us uh, to go to the upcoming sessions page and send us the list of speakers they want to attend and why. And finally, when they send us all that information, we evaluate the information and send them private invitations to join the session. Now, this is not scalable, Henry. Yeah. This is definitely not scalable. If, if, if I had hundreds of people doing this every single day, it wouldn't work. I won't be able to keep up with the, with the man, even if I have uh, you know, a big team. But this is a great way for me to go to market in literally you know, three days without having to invest a lot of resources to create a platform that can, you know, leverage AI technologies to evaluate the, uh, the, the, the attendee or the uh, subscriber to make sure that they're legit, to make sure that they're connected with the right person, to send an automatic invitation to them connected to Zoom, private link, and have them prepare questions. I want, you know, this is doing things that don't, scale all i needed and in fact i didn't even need the website but all i needed was subscription to zoom and email to connect with speakers and with the entrepreneurs so do you know where you're going to go with this or will it will it come to you later well it will come to me later that's the nature of running startups but i do obviously have a plan and have a vision so one of the things we're doing right now 
Uh, and I continue, Henry, one of the ways to, you know, run a startup is, or to, to grow a startup is to think about the value and not necessarily how you are going to uh, leverage technology to deliver that value. So for me, the value can be even higher by, by providing, the, by, by giving those active attendees that we have right now an opportunity to become hosts themselves. This is one way for us to give them a chance to actually connect with the speakers, ask their own questions, and help those who are attending to ask questions as well. This is also a way for us to scale. If I'm going to continue to host all the sessions, it won't be possible. I can do three, I can do four, I can do five a day. I also have other things to do, which is helping entrepreneurs uh, you know, launch, launch startups and, and service-based businesses by working with them one-on-one, so I won't be able to do both. One way for us to scale is by providing, uh, by giving an opportunity to those who are active, those who are attending many sessions and asking questions, an opportunity to uh, connect with the speakers. But yes, technology-wise, technology we do have plans on how to automate this. Uh, in fact, I was speaking with some of my friends uh, who are running subscription uh, businesses, um, you know, how we can solve some of the most urgent uh, problems uh, in a way that allows us to make some progress without investing a lot of time and money, uh, but at the same time, but at the same time allows us to move on to the next stage quickly. This is Henry Lopez. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you struggling with getting started or making the transition from your corporate job to starting your own business? Or are you a current small business owner who needs help with managing and growing your business? Are you ready to invest in your future? I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. Just text BIZCOACH to 31996 for more information. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business dreams and goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are facing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions so that you can make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more or to schedule your free coaching session, just text BIZCOACH to 31996 now. That's B-I-Z-C-O-A-C-H, BIZCOACH, to 31996 or visit thehowabusiness.com. All right, let's uh, let's take a step here or a stop here. And, and once again, we've touched on it already, but I'd like to get your definition at a high level and then we'll break it down some more on what how you define bootstrapping. Tell me what that means to you. And then the, the follow-on question is, what types of businesses, we've talked about a few examples, what type of businesses do you see it, it that is a fit, at least the way that you teach it? So what is bootstrapping and where, do, where is it a fit? Well, Henry, bootstrapping is, it just means self-funding. It means finding a way through internal funding sources to fund the business without external funding sources, investors or loans. So bootstrapping in its you know, most simplest definition is about self-funding the business. Now, there are ways... You are strategies in bootstrapping that you can implement to help you bootstrap the business. One of the things we talked about right now is doing things that don't scale. One of the other things that are very important that many entrepreneurs have uh, used to find ways to generate funds uh, and invest in the business is by selling services. Companies like MailChimp, Basecamp, Sumo, Kissmetrics are all companies who have started by selling services uh, to learn more about their customers, to uh, validate ideas quickly, and more importantly, to generate funds through those sales that they can later invest in software that can allow them to scale. Mm -hmm. So bootstrapping in the simplest form is about self-funding, and there are many ways you can do that. Those are uh, strategies that we can discuss a little more. Perfect. And then what you've touched on is one of the components and one of the ways that you started as well is building that network of people that then, as you say, creates a snowball effect for your product launch. So let's talk a little bit more about that because that's such a key component of it, building that network of people. 
give us some more examples of how we can do that. Absolutely. So I, I don't think I answered uh, fully answered your last question, Henry. You mentioned what type of business. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because what, so what types of businesses do you see that it's a good fit for bootstrapping? The way that we've described it, right? What, 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 where is it a good fit? Every business can bootstrap, Henry. Now, every business may have a harder, well, some businesses may have a harder time scaling uh, through bootstrapping, but every business can start uh, by bootstrapping. In fact, you know, over 90% of uh, startups are bootstrapped, That's at least right. the initial stages. Maybe even 100% of startups are bootstrapped. Who have you ever heard of a company that, you know, started with an idea, didn't do anything, and got the first round of funding? Most of the time, the entrepreneurs, even if they do receive the you know angel or seed funding they receive it or they get that money after a couple months of trying or starting something so every entrepreneur every type of business is uh, can be bootstrapped uh, that, that's that's been my experience as well Abdul, because even for example we take a restaurant i talk to a lot of people who want to start mm -hmm. a restaurant and my advice there is that you you scale that back to start there's all kinds of different ways that you can start smaller whether it's catering or a pop-up kitchen or a food truck or other ways before you go and, you know, commit to a five-year lease on a space. And I think it applies to just about every kind of business. Henry, exactly. In fact, I can give you an example. I, I, a couple of years ago, you know, back when, when I was running, I still am running, by the way, Aspire IT, but in the early stages of that business, I worked with a, an entrepreneur who's always had a passion for baking uh, cake. You know, she, she does it anyways. She, uh, you know, bakes twice, three times a week. And, and she's always considered doing it for, you know, other people selling the, uh, her, you know, her product. And, you know, start things, she started discussing, you know, how she can find ways for, to fund the lease, how she can find ways to buy the equipment, how she can find ways to market the business. Uh, she barely, you know, she didn't have a car at that time even to go to, to the store. So one of the things we discussed is, you know, to leverage existing resources. To start the business, start by leveraging what you have. In fact, one of the things I do right now is help uh, entrepreneurs with an experience, I mean, uh, professionals with an experience in their industry to start businesses. And the first things we do is start by looking into our existing resources, our own experience. Leveraging your experience saves you a lot of time to go to market quickly, uh, get some, generate some revenue, validate some ideas, and then yes, you can scale. But back to our example, leveraging her existing resources meant leveraging her, her own kitchen, leveraging her own equipment, leveraging her own house. And when she did that, she was able to sell, in fact, even pre-sell about $2,000 worth of orders by distributing samples in the beginning. And then thanks to that, she was able to buy a bigger home which was, you know, a, an even better idea for her because she always wanted to be home. Um, so no matter what you're starting, even if it's a, a brick and mortar business, there is a way to start small. There is a way to minimize risk. There is a way to, um, you know, alleviate risk of failure, risk, risk of, uh, of, of depression or risk of uh, losing whatever you don't want to lose. Um, by doing things that don't scale, by leveraging existing resources, by selling quickly, and then investing the gains instead of uh, investing um, investing for the demand instead of investing in, in response to the demand. Yeah. That's the better. And I want to do a follow-up question on that, and then we'll come back to the question I had gone off to on network. Mm -hmm. Because one of the challenges, though, and I'm curious as to how you help people through this, is, of course, you know, for a lot of people, they also got to pay the bills while they're bootstrapping this business. And so there's always that challenge of, you know, I got to pay myself something or do I do this as a side hustle? So how do you generally help people through that so that, yeah, they're reinvesting their profits, but they're also able to pay their bills, their personal bills, that is. Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Henry, because it's very, very important. If you are, uh, if you currently have a job, do not quit your job until you reach what I call my quit my job number. So in the beginning, you do what you do on the side. And then when you have some traction, some validation, that is some customers, especially if you're selling services, then you can say, and I'm going to give you an example actually of an entrepreneur I still am working with. Uh, and then you can say, uh, well, at this pace, 
if I continue generating this amount, say it's $3,000 for the next four months, then I have enough confidence in my ability to continue to grow the business if I am focused 100%. So first things first, you have to focus, you have to keep your job. Secondly, uh, we talked earlier about the importance of leveraging your existing skills. Don't look any further. Start with what you already know. So if, if you have skills in teaching, if you have skills in uh, project management, in accounting, uh, in marketing, in design, in programming, if that is exactly, if, if that's what you do at your current job, start by offering those services to other people. Whether it's in another country, another city, another state, that's the fastest way you'll be able to go to market without almost any planning, without any education, without any training, and at the same time, learn by doing the job, learn by getting paid, and from there, you can, uh, you can grow. That's what we call uh, focusing on the lowest hanging fruits. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and, and, and that's what I advise as well. Two, two things on that. And that'll get us back to the networking topic. One is often what I hear, and I'm sure you hear this as well, is, well, I don't want to do that. I'm burned out on that. Or I, I, you know, I, that's what I'm doing now. But what I've found, Abdo, and I'm sure you find it as well, is that you're burned out on it in part because you hate the environment that you're in, probably, that corporate environment or working for somebody else. It's amazing how your perspective gets refreshed and your enthusiasm gets refreshed when now you're building something for yourself, right? Exactly. That's, that's, that's very important to think about in the beginning, you know, you're, you're, uh, you can be a little narrow minded. You're just thinking, all right, I'm doing this. I don't like it as much. Um, I don't want to do it again. And you know, this is not what I want to do if I want to start a business. And you know what, it might not be anything like that when you, when you grow a business, but in the beginning, if you really want to, uh, you know, get closer to your goal of focusing exclusively on your businesses, it's very important that you start with the things you know. Now, like you mentioned, Henry, uh, things change when you're focused on, uh, on, on controlling your own destiny, when you set your own rules, when you do things the way you want to do them. Things change tremendously. Some things you hate doing at work, you know, you start loving uh, because you're doing it for yourself, for your family, for your future. So that's something that, that you should think about uh, because, you know, not whatever, not not everything you see at work is going to happen uh, when you start, you know, focusing on selling your services to external customers. Yeah. All right. So the other component of it has got to be that when you do that, when you leverage your area of current expertise, there usually is an existing network to come back to that topic that I can mm -hmm. tap into, right? Exactly. Actually, I am very sorry, Henry. I want to go back and mention one other thing uh, before we start talking about the network. Um, I wanted to give an example earlier. I worked with Jan, and, and you mentioned you know, how sometimes we're sick and tired of the things we, we do. Jan right. uh, is, is, is someone who's been in the sales and recruiting space for you know, almost two decades. Uh, and he is tired of doing the same things. One of the things we started discussing is, all right, what is it that you do? You know, he told me, well, I recruit people and I do this and that. Well, I told him at the end of the day, what you're doing is lead generation. You are generating leads to your business. In this case, it is bringing them some of the best talents in the world to work at the company. So what would, would you be interested in lead generation, still lead generation, which is what you know, but in other spaces? And he said, yes, absolutely. So we started brainstorming some ideas. And then just after one brainstorming session, we uh, hypothesized that if we uh, help German companies, he's, he's based in German, Germany and he is German, if we help German web development and design companies acquire US-based companies that are looking for, um, for cost efficiency, that are looking for more talented people outside the country, and looking for you know, other, other, other expertise or areas of expertise, then we'd be able to help those companies uh, get more business and as a result, get rewarded for our services, our lead generation services. And that was our hypothesis and that's what, I, what we tested through cold email. Thanks to that, just three weeks later, Henry, three weeks later, he generated his first 2,000 euros in monthly recurring revenue. Three months later, he's generating about 8,000 euros in monthly recurring revenue. 
So just for those who are listening right now, your skill, you know, may not, it is usually not bound to one uh, specific area. If you know design, you don't have to necessarily always design websites. You could be designing applications. You could be designing banners and other things. And if you're doing sales, you don't necessarily have to be selling SaaS, uh, SaaS software. You could be selling different things, other things. One thing to keep in mind. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great example, and I think that's a that's very appropriate. And there's so many areas where that applies. Uh, you know, I think of project management as an example. There's so many things. There's so many people who need that expertise, but it can be applied in many different arenas and different industries. All right, let's go. Let's go on to the networking topic. And what I would love is if you can start sharing, as you have, some more of those tips and advice on how I build upon that network that I'm going to leverage to help me get started, to help me validate my ideas, to help me pre-sell. How do I grow that network? Of course, let's start with building the network, Henry. And the, the beginning, beginning of this year, uh, one of the things I wanted to do was start selling different types of products and services. I wanted to start coaching entrepreneurs. I wanted to also start selling digital products. I did not have an audience, zero audience. I started writing content. I started producing guides. I wrote guides that were 15,000 words long. That helped. That helped me generate some leads. That helped me get uh, the first email list subscribers, and that helped me get the first uh, pool of potential customers that I can sell my products to. And then I started thinking, what if I uh, leverage people's audience instead of trying to compete with their audience? Uh, and one of the ways I wanted to do that was by uh, creating an online event. And, it, and I'm, I'm going to mention earlier why it's tied to networking and creating a snowball effect, Henry. Uh, so I created an online event, the, Boost, the Bootstrapping Summit, where it documented the journey of over 100 bootstrapped entrepreneurs. This was a great way for me to connect with some of the most successful people in the world it was a great way for me to build relationships, to build trust with them, to build trust with their audience, get exposure to their audience, and as a result, build that network effect. Because every one of those speakers, every one of the many of the people that they have invited, were able to promote the event, were able to tell their friends, and as a result of all of that, I launched my first product, my first service in fact the coaching service that uh with the 5,000 people that joined that event from literally almost nothing three months earlier i was able to sell about ten thousand dollars in monthly recurring coaching services and grow from there uh, that is a great way to build a network and create a snowball effect right. so, so so you've got you've got some content that you developed you had an online event and of course that works extremely well for the type of services and products that you sell, IP services, um, you know, online services. Let's talk about an example. If we go back to the, the baking client that you had, uh, how would she go about expanding her network? Because probably an online event maybe or maybe doesn't lend itself to that. I don't know. What are your thoughts there? No, that is actually an excellent way, but doesn't necessarily have to be online. I was on a podcast yesterday and I was talking about the exact same thing. In-person events as well is a great way to do that. So if you can bring other people that are indirectly competing with you or are offering complimentary services to a local event and use that event to share with attendees your product, your cakes, and get them to fall in love with the cakes and you. That's a great way to leverage your attendees' audience without having to compete for the attention of your indirect competitors' audience. So the way it works is I would invite people that are offering complimentary services, and I tell them, we're creating an event around this specific topic. And what I need from you is to invite at least 10 people from your audience who would be interested in, from your surroundings or network, would be interested in what we're going to discuss, what we're going to offer, what we're going to you know, uh, speak about, and that's it. Be at this place at this time, we'll, we'll, we'll showcase our products and discuss it. Those who join, thanks to that network effect that you built, you go back to Facebook, you send them banners that they can share with their audience on Facebook, and then you ask everyone who shares, if they could connect you with at least one person or two people that you guys 
have the same level of relationship with. Once you do that, you'll start to build a bigger network and that network can turn into a snowball effect. Yeah, and that's, that's that network effect that you talk about, obviously. Exactly. And, and Harry, you know, the way I start thinking about it is, you know, how many people do I need to accomplish a specific goal? Mm. And if you think about it, you know, if you're realistic, sometimes to sell X amounts, if you are realistic, of course, you don't need a lot of people. All you need, you know, perhaps depends on the pricing point and depending on your goal, perhaps 50 people, 100 people. It's feasible mm. to get that number of people. And I did the same thing lately and, and, and it's the event is starting it's going to be organized in January um, I did the same thing with the uh, local chamber of commerce I went to the local chamber and I told them I know that one of your goals is to promote entrepreneurship in the space now I know you also are interested in bringing some of the best speakers uh, and entrepreneurs in the world to come and talk to our local entrepreneurs but sometimes it's not feasible sometimes it's very expensive and sometimes you know you you just don't have the time for it. What if I could bring those people to you online? We'll host the sessions online. We're, we'll have the recording and the live sessions for free. All you have to do is invite 100 people to join those, that event. Would you be interested in that? And they jumped all over it. They were very interested in, and we're going to do it in, uh, in January. So that's another way that you can... Uh, create some sort of event, not necessarily an event. It could be uh, one of the ways I did it actually was also through a guide. I created a guide about a certain topic, invited three influencers in the space to talk about that topic, highlighted their expertise. People like to be experts. The least we can do is highlight their expertise. And I did it through an interview and then I posted on that guide. And then at the end of the interview, I told them, would you be inclined to share this or email this to your audience? and help us promote the guide. One of them actually said, I can do one better. What if I invest about $100 or $200 on Facebook ads and I can promote this to our audience as long as you make sure that people know that they can also learn more about me by going to Mixergy.com. It was Andrew Warner, one of the best podcasters. Um, so it's, it's a, a great strategy to accelerate your at least next stages. One of the the ways I call it is every entrepreneur's opportunity for a three-month overnight success. Okay, and so that was where I was going to go next is, is time-wise. Obviously, you've given some examples. You've done it yourself. Um, what do you, because you also make the point often that you have to be patient, you have to be ready to deal with uncertainty, and you need to focus on the long-term results. When it comes to building a network, what What's realistic there, Abdo, as to how long before I've got enough people in that network that I can realistically start testing, pre-selling, et cetera? Henry, you start as soon as possible. Um, the network is never going to be, uh, it's, it is never going to stop. It's always going to grow. Uh, and you start with whatever you can, you can start with. For me, you know, in when I, one of the stages I didn't mention earlier is, uh, during you know the first month of the year, I wanted to launch digital products, and I created a lot of guides. And I had about a hundred people. Um, I started with that way before the bootstrapping. Some I started by launching my coaching service to those one hundred people, and thanks to that, it generated about six thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue. That was enough for me to start. I don't have to wait until I have thousands uh, of people. So the network is is a network. It continues to grow. And you, you continue to launch products and services, add value as it is grown. One of the things that I have heard through this conversation as it relates to bootstrapping from your perspective that I think is one of my key takeaways here is that we, we often have the tendency to want to spend the money to build something, you know, put up my shop or put up my storefront or put up my website and then sit back and wait people for people to come or spend a bunch of money on advertisement. And that's how I'll get people in the door. Bootstrapping as you're describing a big part of what you've described is I got to get out there and make it happen. And that doesn't cost a lot of money, but it costs my effort and my time and my willingness to put myself out there and ask for it. Is that fair? Exactly. Henry bootstrapping doing things that don't scale is about going to market under the condition of the unavailability of the product. In other words, what is it that you can do to start offering the product or the service, solving the problem without 
having to spend money on creating the product, which you could spend money on, but you're not certain is going to work and satisfy the needs of the people that you're creating it for. So you might as well go to market quickly, start selling, start providing value, start focusing on your early adopters, and then you can create a solution that may help you scale. On the flip side, do you see sometimes that having unlimited resources can be a disadvantage? Of course, it depends on what you use it, what you use those resources for. I've worked with entrepreneurs, for example, who say, you know what, I don't really care about starting or going to market quickly. I can wait a year. I can wait two years. I need to build this a huge platform that can allow us to accomplish the, the intended goal and solve the problem at scale. I don't want to wait and, and start, you know, being the product. I don't want to do things that don't scale. Right. It's, you know, in one of the cases that I'm having in mind right now, it, it didn't help to do that. We invested close to six figures. They invested close to six figures to create this solution. We created this product. Um, and then we had to make changes and then we had to make more changes. And then we had, so we realized we're continuing to build. We're, we're unable to launch quickly, which is the whole idea of the lean startup movement. And, you know, we didn't really benefit from it. So in my opinion, that was a loss. Uh, not a smart move. So yes, unlimited funding, if you don't use the funding um, well, it, it can hinder your performance. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we, we've touched on what, what you're doing today, obviously with Startup Circle, but do you have a, a special offer as well for our listeners I think will help with further understanding. So tell us about that, please. Absolutely. So I call what I shared earlier the accelerate method, which is a great way to leverage your um, competitors or indirect competitors audience instead of competing uh, for their attention. You can do that in many ways. I discussed how online events can be a great way to do that. I discussed how guides can help you accomplish that. I discussed how partnership with organizations like the Chamber is a great to do that. And one of the things I didn't mention is I went on and when, and I, I, thanks to actually the bootstrapping summit, now that I think about it, thanks to the bootstrapping summit and the connection, uh, connections that I built through the bootstrapping summit, I, um, contacted one of the speakers and I told them that, um, that I, I suggested the idea of organizing a two, three day event where we can, uh, provide his existing users with resources, actionable advice, actionable content that they can implement right away in a personalized way to help them move their businesses forward. And if you'd be interested in collaborating with me, all he had to do was give me the agreement and invite all of his about 50,000 subscribers to come into the event and learn from it. That was an excellent way for me to promote my services and build a bigger brand. For those who are looking to leverage this method, forget about the technology. I will create the website for you. This is only for the how of business uh, listeners, podcast listeners, um, below you'll see how, below you'll find how you can uh, contact me personally by booking a 30 minute call. We'll discuss it. We'll share some insights. If there is a fit, you won't have to worry about creating the interface. All we will have to worry about is the execution and how it can help you generate the results that we will talk about in the beginning. That is my offer to the how of business podcast listeners, Henry. Fantastic. We appreciate that. And we'll, we'll summarize at the end as to where you can go online, but there'll also be a link to it on the show notes page for this episode. So you can find it there. Take, take advantage of that opportunity, especially if what you've heard from Abdo is, is a fit, you think is a fit for you, or if you just want to have a conversation with them about it, this is a great opportunity to do so for very little investment, just the investment of your time. Um, all right, we'll start to wrap it up. I'm always interested in a book recommendation. Or is there a book that you would recommend to us? Yeah, absolutely. I have two books. So the first one is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Um, so in, in this book, Henry, Peter will help you build what he calls uh, the mentality of a revolutionary uh, entrepreneur. Those are entrepreneurs that create innovative business models, innovative models that yet to be created. I think it's an eye-opener, great book to read. I highly recommend it. The second book is called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And just like Peter, uh, ben is one of the most influential entrepreneurs and, and not just entrepreneurs, investors in the world. 
uh, one of the things he discusses in his books is uh, the challenges you'll face as a startup founder and, and how to overcome those challenges. One of those entrepreneurs who has seen it all as an entrepreneur and as an investor, highly recommend his book. Great. Thanks for those recommendations. All right. What's one thing you want to stick away from this conversation we've had about bootstrapping? If there's one thing you would want us to do next or take away from it, what would that be? The mindset. It's really a mindset. Bootstrapping is truly a mindset, Henry. Doing things that don't scale. If you start thinking about launching businesses by doing things that don't scale, by being becoming the product, by serving users non-scalably, uh, you will be able to launch any type of business uh, quickly, efficiently, and inexpensively. If you are interested in launching a business, validating an idea, if you fear failure, if you fear disappointment, doing things that don't scale, combine that with pre-selling is a great way to alleviate risk, go to market quickly, test ideas quickly, and evaluate your next move. Love it. Ed, where do you want us to go online to find out more? Abdurriani.com, A-B-D-O-R-I-A-N-I.com is where you'll find more information about me personally. StartupCircle.co is where you can go to join live sessions and ask questions, get personalized answers. And when you go to Abdurriani.com, also when you, uh, also below, you will be able to go directly to my calendar, uh, book a time the best fits your schedule. Let's have a conversation about how you can launch your businesses by doing things that don't scale or how you can, uh, um, how you can pre-sell ideas, build a network, um, create a snowball effect, uh, and, and boost sales, grow the business by implementing the accelerate method, your three month overnight success. Fantastic. This has been a great conversation. I've already spent some time on the Startup Circle website because you've got links there to, to content, free content, um, links to, there was a podcast that I found that way that I didn't know about. So a lot of good content there as well. So Abdo, thanks for taking the time to be with us and sharing of your knowledge today. Henry, thank you very much for having me. This has been really, really great. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, was Abdo Riani. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. You can also text BIZ, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.